Hi everyone, welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Podcast. This is Alter Shujan, your host and a chief medical resident at the University of Connecticut. A quick disclaimer before we start, all opinions and views expressed in our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the Yukon Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. We're back with this week's episode of Ambulatory Series, and today we will be discussing an important topic of suicide and how to screen patients at risk in a primary care setting. More specifically, our goal will be to better understand suicide screening methods, understand risk factors associated with suicide, and discuss options for counseling and prevention. While there is no data to show that routine screening for suicidal ideation in primary care setting reduces mortality, primary care physicians see a large portion of patients who subsequently commit suicide. Primary care providers may be in a unique position to prevent suicides due to their frequent interaction with their patients and an established patient-physician relationship. A number of standardized scales have been proposed to evaluate suicide risk, but none have been associated with high predictive value. Depression rating scales, such as PHQ-9, are frequently used, but they are better measures of depression severity than suicide risk. Another option for identifying patients at risk for suicide is the Beck Hopelessness Scale, which is a 20-item true-false questionnaire that correlates more closely with current suicide attempt than depression severity. A meta-analysis found that the scale was low specificity, however, which limits its application. This is why oftentimes screening for suicidal risk comes down to asking about an active or passive suicidal ideation, past suicide attempts, family history of suicide, and if positive, stratifying patients into high risk, which would lead to inpatient hospitalization, versus intensive outpatient program or outpatient management for lower-risk individuals. The suicide rate in the United States is more than 15 per 100,000 individuals. In 2016, nearly 45,000 people killed themselves, making suicide the 10th leading cause of death. Among individuals who commit suicide in the U.S., firearms are involved in approximately half of the deaths and will be the focus of our discussion today. About a quarter of adults in the U.S. own a firearm. Some of the risk factors associated with firearm-related injury or death have been suicidal ideation or intent, serious mental illness such as severe major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, substance use, history of violent behavior, or dementia. Demographic data suggests that there is an increased risk of homicide by firearms among Black or Hispanic men and suicide among older non-Hispanic white men. Because nearly half of the suicides in the U.S. are committed by firearm and majority of the patients who commit suicide see their primary care provider at some point prior to the event, let's discuss how to approach screening of patients at risk. Just like we approach any other sensitive topic such as substance use or sexual practices, it is important to have a non-judgmental approach when interviewing a patient. Communicate to the patient that the screening is done with the intent to prevent harm and provide counseling. There is not a single well-validated screening question 
for assessing firearm ownership and safety. You can start by an open-ended question about gun ownership in a way that is non-judgmental and explain that the reason for screening is to prevent harm and to provide counseling if needed. While providers may worry that the patient will feel uncomfortable with discussing the topic, incorporating these questions into the social history, providers may be able to better contextualize them along with other sensitive questions. A systemic review by Lasco Eyal from 2016 found that patients are largely receptive to screening and counseling, that providers rarely screen even high-risk patients, and that clinical counseling and structured interventions could improve rates of safe storage and reduce firearm access for high-risk individuals, such as those at risk for suicide. Growing number of states have statutes in place allowing judges to issue emergency orders to remove guns from the homes of people at acute risk for harming themselves. An important mnemonic to keep in mind when screening someone at risk for suicide who has access to firearms is five L's. Locked, loaded, little, low, and learned. Let me now explain. Ask your patient, is your firearm locked? Is it loaded? Are there little children at home? Is anyone with access feeling low? Is the operator learned, meaning cognitive impairment or training in use of firearms? You can counsel patients on safer storage of firearms, such as that they have to be unloaded and locked. So let's summarize. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the US. Among individuals who commit suicide in the U.S., firearms are involved in approximately half of the deaths. Primary care physicians see a large portion of patients who subsequently commit suicide, which puts them in a unique position to be able to screen and prevent suicide for patients at risk. Lastly, it is important to learn how to ask about firearm ownership in a non-judgmental way as it may open doors for counseling on safe firearm storage and screening those at risk for suicide. We hope you learned something new today. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you in our next episode.